Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Welcome back, hour number two. To tell new one is 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. At Gus Tutel on Twitter at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. If you miss anything in hour number one, Listen on the podcast, the Tutel Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. You can uh, check it out on Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever, however you want to do it. You can uh, listen to the podcast thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. You want to pick up your phone and call? Feel free, 361-3688. The phone number, all guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, including our next guest, Bailey Herman, who is our Mattress Firm Student of the Week. We'll be getting to uh, her here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, If you would like to listen live, you can do so on the World Wide Web via the stream. You go to 1029ESPN.com. You jump in the stream anytime you would like to. Thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, Coulter, we're going to get to uh, Bailey Herman here in just a couple of minutes, but there's a few things that uh, we just wanted to cover here uh, while we get her on the line. First of all, the uh, the Masters took place over the weekend. Dustin Johnson uh, met the expectation that it feels like everybody has had for him for so long, which is unquestionably the most talented golfer right on tour 
who just seems not to sort of close that potential gap at times, but certainly in the last 12 months has, right? I mean, he is the he 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 won the FedEx championship which is you know sort of ultimately the determiner of the best golfer of the year I guess if you can say it culminating in sort of a a playoff style championship tournament then he wins the Masters his first green jacket this is I believe is now his third major is it just his second major second major overall okay tied tied for second or finished second at the PGA Championship three years in a row. He's okay. won the Masters now, and he also won the U.S. Open 2016. Yeah, he's broke through in the U.S. Open. I thought he had won one other one, but uh, okay, so he's been no, second but he, several he's times. He's had four four times he's entered Sunday leading in a major and okay. had never won that major. But he didn't just win. Now, let's start here. Mm-hmm. Um, the field, as it were, I mean, when you talk about guys who, uh, uh, you know, Sung J M. And even Justin Thomas was hanging around. Rory McIlroy makes a long run. And Cameron Smith, who was just a fabulous to watch play this entire week. So how about this for a statistic? Cameron Smith is the first and only player in the history of Augusta National to shoot under 70 four days in a row. That's right. He didn't win. How disheartening is that? It's never happened, and he didn't win. Now, the one thing that I'll say is, is part of this is these November conditions... And all the guys said this did make this a very scorable Masters relative to other Masters. You had the wet that delayed the start of this thing on Thursday. And it was a huge scoring day. So, you know, you can take the scoring records that were broken here. And Dustin Johnson, by the way, in relation to par, has set the new Masters championship record. Breaking Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth previously. So, but all that to say, the field played great. And Dustin Johnson blew them away. He did. He blew them away. So, uh, congratulations to him. It was, I thought, a very interesting Masters to watch. Of course, everything, all of sports, is hurt by not having fans and the atmosphere that you get with having them there. I did think, though, what you did get, I give I give ESPN so much credit for this. I thought some of the camera angles and mm-hmm. vistas that we got, I've never seen Augusta look the way that it looked with some of the panoramas that you got, some of the depth cameras, some of the motion cameras that you were able to have, and also, frankly, the colors. I mean, late in the afternoon with the pine needles strewn across the greens, you know, just like you're playing at your local muni and you got to clear off the thing because that's the time of year that it is. I thought all of that was so very interesting and 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 um, memorable to look at, and so you know, even with what you lose by not having the patrons, uh, there was uh, uh, some features to this that you would not otherwise have gotten. And I thought ESPN did a very nice job in sort of bringing you the visual uh, uh, and seasonal feel of what this Masters was. Did you catch the the post round conversation between Dustin Johnson and Paulina Gretzky? You could you could kind of over she, she met him on the green. Yeah, I mean I watched hug, the whole thing. Kiss, sure, sure. But you could kind of overhear their conversation, and it was so funny because I thought it was at the same time it was so organic and raw, but it was also so humanizing too. She was like, I, "I've been wanting you to do this forever. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you." He's like, "I'm yeah. so glad we don't have to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Like we broke through." Yeah. And then she's like, "So what's the plan with the kids?" And he's like, "Well, I don't know. My cell phone's in the bag. I'm gonna get it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. It's like, dude, dude, just won like ten mil, she's, and they're like, it's just normal married right, couple making right. plans. She's like, okay, well, I'll meet you back at the house, and you can, you know, go I, do this. I also thought it was special too for him with his brother, right? I mean, Austin, his brother's Super been sweet. on on the bag, you know, for his whole career, and and he was the one who was the more emotional of the pair, you know, to see him do it because, you know, these golfers often leave 
pretty private lives, and even though they're their own franchises, they're individuals who can who basically sort of can you know are. are keep it they they keep their their personal lives very much out of the spotlight in terms of you know in golf very often uh and so there's that interesting dynamic there and we know that that dustin johnson has gone through some things some of it of his own doing and some of it uh maybe not but but to come to this point in whatever road that he has traveled and to to you know exercise those demons to not have to answer those questions like you said and now to figure out what to do with the children with a green jacket on uh is pretty is pretty cool and so uh, it was a fun masters uh, i thought all the way around i'm so interested to see how this redefines his um his golf persona or or i guess just the way that we view him because this whole generation of the post tiger woods guys we've seen them all have various steps to their careers either guys that were sort of climbing on their way to breakthrough but then sort of faded, never did, like Jason Day, or guys that broke through in such a huge way when they were young and were anointed as the next guys like Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth, only to be able to not really handle that pressure. Mm-hmm. And now those guys are stuck. They have to emerge from this this narrative surrounding their careers. Like, Rory's can't, Rory can't do it. Rory, how disappointing is Rory? You know, Rory? Rory could have won this tournament if he wasn't shoot, doesn't shoot a first day 75. That's right. But he yeah. talked about that. He said, hey, I know what's at stake for me, especially at the Masters. Yes. I know that I'm gunning for the career Grand Slam, and I'll be straight up flat honest. I have sucked the first day of the Masters for four years in a row because I know what's what, at stake yeah, for me. Yeah. But how do you emerge from that, right? Yeah. Like if you're Jordan Spieth, he's never gotten over when he hit it in the water on what hole 12. 12. He's never gotten over it. He's never gotten over it. Speaking so of, how do you emerge from that? But I guess my point about Justin Johnson, though, yeah. is this, is he was always the... Man, if he ever puts it all together, guy. Man, this guy's fun to watch. And he's just racking up top tens. And so we were always at the same time slightly uh, discouraged with him not assuming the level of transcendence that we expected. But also he never had to harbor the pressure of, well, now now, now the narrative of Dustin Johnson's career changes from when's he going to win one till how many can he win. And that's a distinctly insane pressure because as we talked about on the show last week, some of the greatest golfers of all time, guys like Fred Couples, uh, Jack or um, Greg Norman, Nick Baldo, these guys have like two or three. It's so hard to win more than just two or three. I do think it's so interesting because while you don't have to answer the winner, are you going to win a master's question anymore? Mm-hmm what he's done between the FedEx and the Masters, yeah. I think has ratcheted up the pressure and expectation on him by Huge. a lot. Because we had gotten to a point of of accepting the fact that Dustin Johnson is a great golfer who, for whatever reason, just isn't really there at the end anymore. And now, that's gone. Well, and, That's and, gone. And now that this is the last tournament of the year, now basically... In all likelihood, he's probably he may maybe play one more tournament this calendar year, but he's going to enter 2021 as the resounding, no question, number one player in the world. He already was entering this tournament, but now everybody's got it for DJ. Yeah. But you mentioned, I mean, he has had some personal demons. He's he has had a much more um, personal life that's been in the limelight. I mean, his his wife is much more famous than almost any other. P- I mean, not in, almost every other PGA wife. Paulina yeah. Gretzky is much more famous than any of them. You think you think more than Kapka's uh, uh, girlfriend? She was in Sharknado. I mean, that's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I think being Wayne Gretzky's daughter and also being independently famous of that gives. It, I was thinking that. I was texting my brother that. Like, imagine winning the Masters and going home, and your and your father-in-law though is like, well, you know, I have eight. Stanley Cup rings, and I've won like 10 MVPs, and I'm absolutely the greatest athlete in my sport. Yeah. By so far, it's not even funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe maybe Lots it's a, a certain grounding. That I, I, I think that. so. But yeah. I guess my point is, though, maybe Dustin Johnson is grounded now, though. 
he has a couple kids. He's got like it seems as if he has kept himself pretty darn straight and narrow for several years. And you wonder if the results are a direct result of that. And I, I just I think that if he can harness it and get it locked in, we, Tiger Woods spoiled everybody in terms of guys blossoming when they're in their early to mid twenties. That was never the case. And then Rory and Jordan Spieth replicated it. But those guys are anomalies. Usually you don't start winning at this level of major championship golf until your mid-30s. And that's where Dustin Johnson's at. Yeah. So maybe he's entering his prime. Maybe he does string together a bunch between now and the next 10 years. Two other things that I just wanted to know. First of all, Tiger making a 10 on 12 was one of the incredible, insane meltdown holes that I've ever seen. Followed by birdying five of the, the final six. six, including the last four straight, to end up under par for the tournament. Unbelievable. I mean, when you talk about that, that is Tiger, right? Like guys who, who he suffered, he suffered his greatest professional embarrassment by far on number 12 yesterday at the Masters. Professionally speaking, like what that is for a golfer and a golfer of his caliber to hang up a 10, a sextuple bogey, is that what it is? Is yep. It's, it's, it's beyond, I mean, it's just uh, the, the, the level of, of uh, sort of embarrassment mixed with, with a loneliness of it just being you. I mean, he talked about this. Look, golf, man, there's nobody else. You can't, can't go to your coach. Can't go to another player. Can't call it. Like, it's just you. You just have to sit out there and deal with it. And then to be so pushed by that to come back and prove, you know, or whatever in that moment was truly remarkable. And I mean, that is that, that I, I, I don't know that I have, that I can really encapsulate exactly my, how my total impression of that, but to just to go seven over in one hole and have nothing like that, that we've ever seen before, <coughs> excuse me, especially out of Tiger Woods. And then to go five under in the next six to finish under par for the tournament. It, that's Tiger. Did you see his post-round interview? Yes, I did. <laughs> Tiger, he's he is he is one of a kind. He he was trying to explain it, and he was trying to be nice, but he just he, you could just tell he was just so furious. Upset? <laughs> well, sure. He was so I mean, so, so. How could furious. you? How could you not be? So that was the other thing, and the other one. That I, that I just wanted to point out here is uh, generally when you get a little out over your skis and start saying things like, yeah, 67 is par for me on this course yeah. is when you don't do all that good. Uh, as the good book says, pride cometh before the fall. I believe there is a small quotation in there along those lines. So uh, Bryson DeChambeau, take note. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I think that there's folks out there that are in denial of the element of exposure being a detrimental factor. But to me, I thought it was the most predictable thing in the whole field. DeChambeau talks smack about the course, decides he's going to do a club experiment within the midst of the most prestigious major in the world. Crazy. Everybody on tour is being forced to talk about him because everybody's asking him about him. And they're all, you know, being classy and giving him praise while probably out of the side of their mouths being like this guy. And then he's on the cover of sports illustrated with the headline breaking golf. 
You're yeah. asking the golf gods to just yes, you are. strike you down. Yes, you are. You certainly are. Uh, okay, we've got her on the line. It's the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Let's go ahead and do it. We are happy now to welcome in our Mattress Firm Student of the Week, a sophomore at Sims High School, a volleyball player there, member of the 4-H club, and also a bit of a scientist as well, Bailey Herman joining us. Bailey, thank you so much for being with us. How are you today? I'm good. Well, we're happy to have you here, and thanks for taking your time to uh, to do this with us. Let's start, since it is ESPN Radio, after all, with a little bit of sports stuff. You uh, just finished up your volleyball season with Sims High School. I know Sims was at the state tournament. Uh, talk to us about the season. You're just a sophomore there, so you've been kind of rotating in and out uh, of, of the team this season, and then obviously the next couple of years, uh, you know, you'll be, you'll be in there. But I wanted to hear about the team this year and your experience of playing volleyball for Sims. Um, it was a lot of fun. I'm super proud of the girls because we fought our way to state. Um, nobody really thought that we could make it to state, but we did. Um, but unfortunately, we lost out on Friday, so we didn't, we didn't get as far as we hoped, but we still made it. When you get to that level, when you get to the, the district tournament and then the state tournament levels and you're watching some of the other teams, I mean, what's that experience like? What is the biggest difference in the raise and the level of play? Um, as you get further up in the tournament, they become a lot quicker, a um, lot harder games. They come, The balls come at you faster, and um, it's actually quite difficult, I believe. And I was super proud of the girls, and we... We pulled it through. Well, like you said, I mean, even making it to state is a great accomplishment and one that you can certainly build on for the future. How did you get into volleyball? Um, I played it, have been playing it since sixth grade. So, Did you play any other sports or was I, when you found volleyball, did you say, hey, this is it, this is what I want to do? Um, no, it's kind of more of a side sport. Um, my main sport that I like to do is basketball. So, <laughs> and we're getting into basketball season right now, right? So, what are you? What are the prospects for basketball for you? Um, I'm super excited about what this season is going to bring us. Um, we have a lot of new girls. We lost a lot of good seniors last year, but I think we can make it just as far as we did last year. Bailey Herman joining us. She's our Mattress Firm Student of the Week from Sims High School. And, Bailey, this is crazy. I want you to tell the people and explain to me a little bit more about this. I'm trying to understand it. But you built a device for for a science project that basically monitors water levels in and around the Butte area. Tell us about how you got involved in this. Um, So as a middle schooler, we had to do a science fair project. And I did a project very similar to this. And... um, People came up to me asking if they could have one, and um, of course I wasn't going to deny them. So um, I built a device that measures the height of the water in their water cistern. So that device sends the data up to a Google Sheet, and so you can access it anytime, anywhere. And the device also sends a text message when it gets below or above a certain level. Now, how did you come up with this idea? I mean, what, what was the, what was the entry point to thinking that this was a necessity? 
Um, so I did one for my sixth grade year that was to monitor my pig's feed and water level. And they thought, the water board thought it was a good idea for them to have in their system. So they approached me and asked if they could have a system similar to my pig's one. And I said, gladly. Now, do you have a patent on this? No, I don't. <laughs> feel like you need to get one. This seems like a pretty darn good idea. Definitely. Yeah, um, my mentor and I have talked about it, um, but we really haven't gone anywhere in that. But, um, yeah, we really haven't done anything on that. Uh, we kind of just threw it off to the side after we had done finished it. Um, I would like to get a patent on it. Well, it's amazing that you sat here and, and kind of developed this thing and that this is, you know, a device, like you said, that can monitor the water levels and, and you know, help, uh, you know, the city or the county or whatever it might be sort of understand where they're at and if action needs to be taken one way or another with the water supply. I mean, that's really remarkable. That's a big time uh, development. And you did this in like eighth grade and you're still working through as a sophomore. What do you want to do down the road? Do you have any ideas of what, you know, professionally things that you might be interested in doing? Uh, I want to become a cardiologist. Well, you, I think you have to monitor levels if you're a cardiologist. Am I right <laughs> about that? So maybe this is a good first step. Yeah, it, I think it is. Well, Bailey, this is fantastic. We appreciate you sharing with us and, and keep up the good work. Keep on uh, creating and building on what you've already done there at Sims. And you got a couple more years, two and a half more years for crying out loud of, uh, of school and, and sports and all of that to do. So we appreciate you taking the time and being with us the best to you going forward. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. There you go. Bailey Herman. Sims High School. Hey, if you have a student that you would like to nominate for the Mattress Firm Student of the Week, you go on to mattressfirmmt.com and you uh, put there, you nominate the student there, tell us why what he or she is up to is uh, great and wonderful, as they say, whether it's athletics or whether it's inventing things like, uh, uh, what, what are they, readers for water levels? Readers? That's the best I can do here, Coulter. I don't know about this stuff, the science-y things. I got nothing. Okay, good. Uh, and so, uh, anyway, go to matchfirmmt.com uh, and go ahead and put their names in there and uh, and tell us why. And they could have a story uh, about them by SWX Television, come by here and uh, be with Coulter and myself for uh, for an interview. And at the end of the school year, Mattress Firm is going to donate $3,000 to the student of the year. There'll be a big statewide vote for this uh, in, the, uh, in the spring. So we've done this for several years now. ton of fun. And uh, so get, uh, get the kids some exposure and also maybe a little bit of coin when it's all said and done as well. So there you go. To Tell Nuance, 1029 ESPN Radio. Quick break. On the other side, the NFL Week 10. Colt is going to scream about how he's right, but he ain't. Next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more.
Welcome back to Telling Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you on this very fine Monday. Hope you are well this evening. Thanks for hanging out with us around the state, whatever you're up to. We appreciate being with you. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Uh, we got some NFL to get to, maybe some uh, 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 basketball as well. What's funny, Coulter? Well, I, I'm just, I did mention the Jess Lockwood, uh, who's still just a, a baby-faced kid from Volberg, Montana. Yep. You know, he's, old, he's been doing this pro bull riding thing for a while. And, I mean, you know me, man. I love football. I love both NFL and college football. I love combat sports. I love the UFC. I love all of it. These bull riders are the craziest dudes on the planet. They are (laughs) crazy, man. Jess Lockwood got his leg basically ripped off. Like it broke and he tore his hip and he had to have reconstructive leg surgery basically to like get his whole leg back attached to him. That was like six months ago and he's back doing it. He's had two huge injuries this year and he, he rides a 91 last night. I mean, I always just laugh to myself because on one hand you say, okay, this kid just rode a bull for eight seconds and made $35,111. On one hand, that's one of the greatest per hour salaries you can find. <laughs> on the other hand, is it worth it? Because eight seconds on one of these bulls, I mean, my God. I just, I don't know. It's a it's a cost-benefit analysis to be sure, but Jess Lockwood's in the mix. He's, he's earned $275,000 and change already this year riding bulls. So uh, he's not yet 23, and he's already in the mix for what would be one of, uh, what, I guess his third top five finish in the world yeah. and his second world championship. So he is a uh, prodigy to be sure and, and certainly making Montana proud. Uh, Coulter, let's jump over to the NFL. We've come out of the weekend. We haven't even talked any NFL yet. It was not a, an exactly a riveting NFL weekend in, in certain ways in terms of matchups and things like that. But probably the matchup of the weekend was, at least going into it, the Rams-Seahawks. I mean, two of the very, you know, really good teams in the NFC uh, West, along with Arizona, who had the game of the day. I mean, are you kidding me with that throw? Uh, yeah, yeah. I oh. lost, lost me every single one of my oh. bets, and I did not care. Oh, I mean, incredible. So he is incredible, dude. Kyler Murray is incredible yes, to he watch. Is. He is must see TV. He's. We were talking about this last night. Truly, in terms of a five year plan, mm-hmm. who in the NFL are you taking over him right now? Patrick Mahomes and who else? I mean, I don't know. Kirk Cousins, maybe. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so. Yeah, he he's great, and we can circle back to him, and we, we, will. we will. But the Rams beat the Seahawks 23-16. Yep. The Seahawks kicked a field goal with like 40 seconds to go just to give themselves a chance with an onside kick. But the reality is, is the Rams dominated this game, but not in the way that I think a lot of people thought. Mm. 23 points? Hey, you should be popping champagne if you're a Seahawks fan from a defensive standpoint. And you do see the impact that the return of one Jamal Adams has. And, you know, sometimes games take on their own character, and this just turned out to be a kind of a lower-scoring bit of a slugfest. What was remarkable, though, is a team who has yet to be stopped was stopped offensively. Russell Wilson, 22 of 37, 248 yards. This is the kicker, though. Zero touchdowns, two picks. And the number one kicker, though, is six sacks. Yeah, That's the number one kicker. He got sacked six times. Here's what I saw in the game on Sunday. The Rams, we've talked, I've, I've broken down the Rams' systematic operation on offense many times. It, it takes one mechanism for all the mechanisms to be good. When they're running the ball early, then they can take shots on second down. That's where they make all their money is in those second and ones. They run play action. They throw it over the top deep. That's what the Rams do. What we saw yesterday, though, was an adjustment to that game plan. We saw two things. 
They decided to fully exploit the two places where the Seattle Seahawks are the weakest. All things pass pass defense from both exploiting the lack of a pass rush to the weak secondary. They Every time they took a shot, it was when one of the Seattle DBs was on the sideline for a minute. If Jamal Adams came out of the game, take a shot. Quadra Diggs comes out of the game, take a shot. That's what they were doing. So they saved their shots rather than from down in distance to exploiting personnel groupings. And on the other side, they just let their defensive line run rough shot all mm-hmm. over the Seattle offensive line. And if you put that kind of pressure on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks can't alleviate the pressure because they cannot run the ball, that's how you beat the Seahawks. Jared Goff, 27-37, 302 yards. No touchdowns, but also no interceptions. They're very efficient, and they did score three touchdowns rushing. Uh, you know, kind of got close and then, and then pounded it in, although Marquise Brown did have a 33-yard uh, rush in this game. But... Uh, I want to go back to the Seahawks here. All this stuff about let let Russ cook and mm-hmm. and and scoring a ton of points and everything like that, and that's gone relatively well. Uh, there's two issues to that. Recently, it has been Russell Wilson turnovers, which is not something we've talked about really in his entire career. Yeah, and now he's got those, five in the last, last two weeks. This last month of games, I mean, yeah. he's been he's been Seven turning, this turning month. the football over. Yeah. Maybe even so eight this month. That that has to stop. Nobody knows that more than Russell knows that. Some of that is circumstantial, but some of that is is bad decision or bad you know just bad playmaking on the part of of Russell Wilson who can't have that. The other part of it is this though: there's been so much focus on DK Metcalf and for great reason, you know, Lockett, Moore, Russell. Okay, that's all well and good. At the end of the day, even if they are going to bite the bullet philosophically speaking and go like we can do this through the air, let's do this through the air. This is a team. And a coaching staff, and in, in in you know, there's a reason that Brian Schottenheimer is the OC that was hired by uh, uh, Pete Carroll because they have philosophical agreement. They have to and want to run the football, and it doesn't have to be run first and run always like it has been, but it has to be run effectively and run with purpose and 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 do it at a really high level. And you are seeing the absence of Chris Carson. It just just magnified hugely. They started Alex Collins last night. Alex Collins is okay, but eleven rushes for forty three yards. Dallas and you know run, ran the ball as well. The only other guy to really rush the football was Russell Wilson. Yep. But they had twenty two rushes last night. Eight of them were Russ. Yep. You hitting the ball off fourteen times in a game. I don't care what your you know your circumstance is. You can't do that. And I think that Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer don't want to do that, but they also know between an offensive line that is okay but not great and a running back group that is decimated. I mean, it ain't just Chris Carson. There's several guys out. They can't run the ball effectively, and that is all of a sudden you're seeing why they have such a belief in the run game because when it ain't there, you throw the ball for no touchdowns, and are basically ineffective, and 16 points is about a third of what this team has been averaging. You know, maybe not quite that, but I mean, they've been a, a high 20s to low to mid 30s to high 30s every single game this season, and now they don't even come close. And they held, you know, they held the Rams to 23 points. And now, by the way, and I know you're about this, and that's you. You have a very strong leg to stand on right here. I think Coulter, five and zero Seattle Seahawks are one and three in their last four. That's right. The one win would have probably been a loss if, if Dalvin Cook doesn't get injured in yep. that football game. Yep. And all of the things that And they got two divisional seen. losses in three weeks. Yeah. Cardinals and Rams. And they and they got a divisional win. They did. Okay. So anyway, 
you are down on the Seahawks. I think a lot of people, I mean, certainly there's no question the Seahawks are trending down. The question is, is it something that can be rectified? Well, no. I mean, my stance on why I think that Seattle is good but not a true Super Bowl contender has been since the very beginning of the preseason. I know we didn't have a preseason, but since we first started talking about the NFL in the summer, my number one stance has been it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. If you have severe deficiencies on the offensive and defensive lines, it will come back to bite you. Period. Period. You cannot overcome it. I don't think they have severe offensive line deficiencies. I think they're a middle-of-the-road offensive line. We can't give up six sacks. Well, the Rams are uh, above average but not elite pass rush. Aaron Donald is the best pass rusher in the NFL. The Rams are not as good a pass rush as a lot of the other teams in the NFC that the that the uh, Seahawks might play in the playoffs. That is that is that's just crazy. The, the, if you have Aaron Donald, you sure. are an elite pass it's rushing true, defensive true. team. Period. It's true, but yesterday it wasn't necessarily. It, they were lighting him up with the blitz. I mean, Leonard Floyd is a linebacker. He had three sacks. Yeah. Well, and and they had a great. But scheme. that's what I'm saying because they're attacking the deficiencies on. The, the, you're right. The Seahawks. The the their <laughs> their uh, average to below average offensive line is actually average. okay. They're average, and that's that's third on the list of severe worries. They cannot fabricate a pass rush at all. Yeah, Jamal Adams is their best pass rusher. Yep. you can't be running safety blitzes in the league, even if it's Jared Goff. It's like Jared Goff will find a way to exploit the safety blitz. Wait till you play Patrick Mahomes. Right. Wait till you play. I mean, anybody that sees. Jamal Adams creeping, that's where you're going. You're hitting it. So, okay. But what, I, what I'm getting at then is I'm exactly with on the Seahawks. Like I have, I think the exact same thing as I thought of them since day one. They're like a, a 10 and 6, 11 and 5 team that has a quarterback that's good enough for them to win more often than they lose. But I just don't think that they can actually win huge games against opponents that have like or better talent. I mean, here's the rest of their schedule, and, th- and this is going to be fascinating to see because this Thursday is going to be this is the game of the year for the Seahawks. The, 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 the Seahawks right now they were five and zero, like you said, and then they've lost three out of four. They got Thursday night at home against the Cardinals. Huge, huge. huge. Win or lose, then they're going to get hot because they play the Eagles, That's the right. Giants, the Jets, <laughs> and the Redskins. That's, I'm going to stop someday. The Jets, the Giants, the, the Eagles, and the, the Washington and the football, football team. team. <laughs> So there's four wins in a row. So call call Thursday's a coin flip. There's your ten wins right yeah. there. The Seahawks are then going to be sitting at either ten or eleven and th- they'll be ten and four or eleven and three. And then they have the Rams at home in a rematch and at San Francisco. And who knows? I mean, San Francisco is it, San Francisco is going to trend up towards the end of the year because right. they're going to get guys back. Right. Mostert's going to come off of IR pretty soon. Kittle will be back by that last game of the year. Um, I think some of their D linemen. Garoppolo. Garoppolo will be back, yeah. right, and, yeah. and that just helps them a lot. So basically the Seahawks are going to be exactly what we thought they were going to be, but they're going to have to take care of business in their divisional games. If they go 1-2 and two in the divisional games, they're an 11-win team. If they go 2-1, and one, they're a 12-win team, and they win that division. The only game, I just don't know if they can. The only games that matter for all of the NFC West is the games in the NFC West for two reasons, because the NFC West is the best division in football. And because they're playing the NFC East. And because they're playing the NFC East. You know, none after Thursday, there's nothing else that we will learn about the Seahawks team unless they lose. You know, if they lose one or, heaven forbid, two of the next four games against bad football teams. 
Well, the Cardinals then, aren't a bad football. No, no, no. After the Cardinals yeah, yeah, game, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. but after the Cardinals game, uh, those four, those four I mean, games. At, the, at Washington is one to keep your eye on because I know the the Washington football team is not good. Yep. But what do they got? They got a pretty darn good pass rush led by absolutely the front runner for rookie of the year defensively in the NFL and Chase Young. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's got some players. But the point is, I know, I know, but it's not gonna. You're not gonna learn. We're not gonna know. Even if they go four and zero and win thirty five to ten on average that next month, you're gonna go. Okay, so what? Right. And you should. But but to me, the 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 dissection of this is all about watching how do they mitigate their weaknesses. Football is so fascinating because it's just like chess, right? You make this move. I hadn't known. I make this move. You make this move. What's the counter, right? right? When Lamar Jackson is running wild and no one has the answer, Lamar Jackson runs wild until people figure out how to stop him. Then what does everybody do? The they same co- thing. They copy it. What were the Patriots doing last night? The Patriots were not running an eight-man front. The Patriots, in fact, were playing dime the whole game. The Patriots were dropping nine guys because that's the game plan to stop Lamar Jackson. And the Patriots also just delayed kickoff as long as they could so they could get that monsoon properly wound <laughs> well, up. But here, here's here's what we've seen in terms of the Seahawks, right? Russ was cooking because everybody was treating the every team was treating the Seahawks receivers as if they, as if they were equals. They were not treating it from a matchup perspective. Mm-hmm. They're saying, okay, when DK Metcalf's on the strong side, okay, we'll play him with our with our uh, field corner. When he's on the wide side, you know, whatever. Now teams are putting their top corner on DK Metcalf, period, and taking. The risk that Moore yep. and Lockett and these other guys do it. That said, three weeks in a row, you're not going to play. You're not going to have a better streak of three three corners in a row than what Metcalf just faced. Patrick Peterson, Tre'Davious White, Jalen Ramsey. That that's the that's three of the five best corners in the league right mm-hmm. there. And so Metcalf just went through the ringer a little bit, but. Now everybody in the league is going to copy that mold. Sacrifice everything you can to take Metcalf away. Take your risks with Lockett. Okay, so where does Seattle count? And also, when you got Alex Collins starting for you at running back, it takes away some of the worry that maybe, you know, you won't have enough guys in the box to defend the run. For sure. I I just think that uh, uh, there's, there's different levels of mystery and intrigue to what your weaknesses are as an NFL team. And in my personal opinion... One of the worst positions to be in is one where you're the, the the one that the Seahawks are in, and that is that your weaknesses are not a secret, and in fact they're easily exploit. You can exploit them easily. Mm-hmm. That, that's a that's a bad spot to be in as an NFL team. That's the way that you tr- trend downward as the season goes on. Uh, Another game yesterday, first of all, the game of the day, right, was the Arizona-Buffalo game. What a great game. I don't know what there is to analyze about this, but let's give it up for for Josh Allen coming down and scoring what looked to be the game-winning touchdown to Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Oh, unbelievable. And then a throw. I mean, I everybody's talking about the catch, and the catch was remarkable. And it's DeAndre Hopkins, who's the best in the league at doing that thing, of going up and somehow coming down with it in traffic. And he deserves all the credit in the world. But... I don't know, I'm not saying necessarily no, but I don't know of another guy, maybe Mahomes, that can get that ball at that angle off to the end zone, run into his left like that, uh, 55, 50, 55 yards in the air. It, it, it's, it's not, it, it, looked, it looked like a, a, a it cartoon. Defi- it defies physics. Yes. He, not only, uh, Mahomes could do it if he at least planted one of his feet and could use his hips. 
Kyler Murray was making a jump throw that he looked like he wasn't even looking. Well, and the, it's comical. He's like a cartoon, and he's only twice the side of the football, <laughs> which makes it look the more odd when he does it. It's just so, amazing. So I, I, have, I have several different funny things that I thought during okay. that game. One, the caliber of receiver that you can trade for is amazing because DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs were both traded within the same week this last mm. offseason mm-hmm. to their respective teams. Two, how the hell do you trade those guys? Well, it's, it's like the tweet I said or that I re- read said um, DeAndre Hopkins catch dot dot dot. No wonder Bill O'Brien doesn't have a job. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, you traded that guy. Well, the other thing, did you see the uh, it's a good day for jump man? Mm, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because it was like Adidas Nike gloves, and then there's the black DeAndre Hopkins so gloves. Hopkins gloves had, has Jumpman gloves, yeah. and then the two defenders, had a, one had a Nike set of gloves, the other Adidas, yeah, and yeah. the catch was made by the Jumpman yeah, gloves. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking was um, we used to take such elongated periods of time for the changing of the guard at the quarterback position because experience, being able to recognize the picture, being able to have uh, cohesiveness within the offense with your coaching staff, all those things took so long to cultivate. Now, they're so rapid fire because all these systems are so systematic that you can you can learn all the verbiage and all the um, reads and all the pre-snap and, and post-snap checks and all that stuff so much more quickly because of technology, but also just because of the evolution of offense. But I was thinking how, how funny it was that Bill Simmons is one of my favorite podcasters. He's always talking about the next step of evolution of guys, right? Like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, Kevin Garnett is the, the, the evolutionary version of Bill Russell, right? Like, he's like the next version of Bill Russell. I was thinking how funny it is that, like, the, the, the modern version, like, the, the upgraded, the, the 2.0 version of Cam Newton, by and large, is Josh Allen. The... 2.0 version of Lamar Jackson is by and large Kyler Murray. I thought it was pretty funny though that the young Bucks, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, have been in the league for a combined five seasons, got the showcase on the afternoon slot, and then that preceded the night game. And I know that the weather was a huge, huge, huge factor last for night. Sure. But it was just striking to see Lamar Jackson, not yet 26 years old, Cam Newton just turned 30 looking like washed, not nearly as good versions of the guys who just played the game right before that. Right. It's amazing how fast it can overturn. I'll leave you with this. I'm worried about Lamar Jackson. Just this, the phenomenon that is him. Because I think that the blueprint to stop him has been laid upon the table. And I think that every single game, he's missing a lot of help right now in terms of skill players. I mean, Mark Ingram being hurt Mm -hmm. doesn't help you. You know, the, the variety of injuries they've had at the wideout spot doesn't help you. But more than anything, a banged-up offensive line doesn't help you. But all that said, he's the type of quarterback that he needs to ride the hot streak. And if he continues to get crushed and continues to not be exceptional, I just think that he has a chance to really erode in all the elements of the game. And I just thought that last night, I know, again, elements were a huge factor, but they, did, they have not looked sharp offensively in no, a month and a half. They haven't. Some of this is on Lamar Jackson, but I also think that I think that a lot of this is on the coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff to me. Lamar Jackson throws a great football in terms of his arm strength, how the ball travels and so forth. But he, as a quarterback, his his biggest weakness to me is his accuracy or lack thereof. Sure. I don't think he's a tremendously accurate quarterback. Nope. Why that has been offset and was when he was playing great is because 
his ability to run creates windows that are so much bigger than other quarterbacks have because of his yep. elusiveness, because of the amount of time that he can take yep. for a play. I mean, they showed that one play where he stood back there. They dropped nine guys. He stood in the pocket eight seconds yep. and then ran for 11 yards. So he has that. Uh and so he doesn't actually have to be as accurate as other guys have to be where Drew Brees just has to be dialed in every single game. Sure. So but but the other thing is 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 you have to allow him to be that and I think a lot of the cold running play I mean they want to ha- they want him to use his legs and run the football yeah. and everything like that. I think where he's most effective running running the football is in non-design runs. It's true. But, but here's the here's the biggest difference between what they do schematically, what everybody else that has skill sets like him does. Almost everybody is running the run pass option that also has. So a run pass option is not a quarterback run. That's one of the big misperceptions right. in fans. A run pass option is a fake to the running back, and then the quarterback has the option to throw. But what teams like the Cardinals are doing is turning it into a triple option, a run run option, where exactly where run, Kyle, pass, run Kyler option. Murray can give. He can throw, he can read and then throw, or he can read and then run. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson can't throw on the run. That's the most ironic part about him. Mm-hmm. He can run it, he can throw it, but he can't throw on the run like Kyler Murray can, and that's what makes their offense so much more. It's shrunk down so much more because it is either designed run play where you're risking the guy's health every single time you do it, or it's him dancing around back there for eight seconds and then trying to make something happen. But that also makes you so prone for a big hit in the open field. Well, I think, you know, it's obviously hard to scheme up plays that <laughs> that are sort of designed, if I may say it, to break down so that then the quarterback can improvise. But there is a level at which they need Lamar Jackson to drop back, have a bunch of time that he creates that then allows the wide receivers to get wherever they need to get on the field. And then the wide receivers got to be better. I mean, I think that he could use some help. I mean, I saw some, I mean, in the bad weather and stuff like that, but I saw some drops last night and I saw, you know, some, some opportunities go by the wayside. In any case, I, I am not off of Lamar Jackson. I think yeah. Lamar Jackson is great. I think he is, I mean, I know that he is a transcendent talent, speed, athlete yeah. at the position. And I think that he has an opportunity to, to make the next move yet again and come back yet again. I know I sound like a broken record, but offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Yeah. And, I mean, Andre Smith out, Ronnie Stanley out. Last night, I mean, I know, again, it was pouring rain. That's not their normal center. Of course. The normal yeah. that, that Oh, that they're snap snapped the ball dude, four times and to nobody. You can, my, my roommate was saying, how hard can it be to snap the ball? I was like, well, dude, if you're not the center, it's so hard. Yeah, <laughs> and it's pouring down rain, so good luck. Hey, we got to get out on the other side, Bears-Vikings. So, you know, I don't know, maybe... Just take up knitting tonight. Golter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the wind gate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the wind gate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or 
or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Vikings three-point favorites against the Chicago Bears tonight. It's 2 telling the one is 1029 ESPN Radio. Which defense should I play in fantasy? Seems like a win-win. Uh, if you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast. The 2 telling the Wanda's podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and also uh, check it out. It's available thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. Go to our website. Sign up for a William Henry pocket knife. We're giving this away. It's right in the middle of the page. Oh, yeah. It's right. Just click, click, click. This this thing is re- retails over $2,800. You get it at RPL. It's a piece of jewelry. It's not just a knife, people. So go to the website and check it out. Um, I have a tie. Zero, zero. That's what's going to happen Vikings buys three. Bet it. See you tomorrow. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear... How about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.